today in space. Today in space. In space. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Uh, we're out again on a Sunday. It's June 26, 2016, and let's get into it. Uh, first of all, I hope your week is starting off fucking fantastically. And uh, whatever you're trying to do, uh, just keep keep moving forward. Even if shit gets in your way, like it's been happening to me all month, <laughs> just stay positive and uh, and and find a way to get yourself out of that hole if, if you're if you're stuck. Uh, for whatever is going on, you know, whether it's just uh, work's too busy or um, whatever you're trying to do isn't really working out, you know, keep moving forward. You will find a way around it. Promise you that. But let's get into something in the space world that uh, they definitely need to address before it gets completely out of control. And it started from a Verge article I read. Let's pull it up here. You can find it in this week's episode in the space links. But the name of the article from The Verge is that SpaceX may have to pay $500 per ton to bring its landed Falcon 9 rockets back into port. And so the question is, why is that happening? Well, it's not even technically happening. And really what it is, is there was a discussion, an interview, something of that nature that happened with the port, I would guess the authorities of the port of Port Canaveral, which is the naval port uh, for Florida's space coast, where all these rockets launch off of. And apparently, they're thinking about making a change to their tariff fees, which in this case means that they may start charging companies uh, as the article says, a hefty fee for bringing aerospace or aircraft items into the harbor. And if they do go on with this this change, which, again, they haven't yet, but it's already out there. (laughs) So they're thinking of charging $500 for every ton that this spacecraft or aerospace item that goes through the port. Now, what does that mean for the Falcon 9? The Falcon 9, which, of course, SpaceX being the only company that's really bringing these these craft back to the port and why this i would assume this charge is even happening they're really the only reason it's happening because they're doing it so often and it sounds like it's someone spoke a little too soon and was saying you know yeah we're you know we're considering it and uh, the article goes into a little bit more basically they're talking about things that would would be charged because of things that's happening in the port. Basically, that these aerospace spacecraft things that are being brought in are going to potentially be doing damage to the port. And, you know, these are all costs that need to be addressed, you know, as this becomes a bigger part of the aerospace industry, which it is. It definitely will be. If, If reusable spacecraft are a thing, there is a valid point that there needs to be a change in the way business is done because the port is not set up for that at the moment. So there needs to be a conversation. There definitely needs to be some kind of uh, look at the costs. But what's going on here, if this is true, again, big if, but if it's true, $500 per ton, 
would mean for a 30-ton Falcon 9, $15,000 for every rocket. That's a lot of fucking money. You know, and that's going to hinder the whole reason they're doing this, which is to bring the cost of space travel down. So this is a really interesting business idea to to look at right now in the industry because it's brand new and it's happening and it almost seems like it's a knee-jerk reaction because if you look at what SpaceX is actually doing themselves, uh, SpaceX is doing a lot of basically the movement of this rocket and the article goes into it. Um, They have... So they land the rocket on their own barge, which then the barge comes back into port, right? And then once the barge comes back into port, SpaceX has their own specially specially developed crane that lifts the rocket off the barge and then puts it on their own truck. Well, I don't know if it's their own, but they put it on the truck and then it gets delivered to the storage hangar at the Kennedy Space Center. So my question is, what is the port doing that's requiring an extra $500 per ton. Is there that much damage to the port that you can charge $500 a ton? You know, I, 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 would, I would have to see the whole thing, but essentially, they, they didn't, in this article, they didn't really give that many reasons for, you know, why this would even be that, hard, that high. Um yeah, they don't even really go into it at all. Uh, and, and SpaceX is quoted, uh, I believe it's a SpaceX spokesman, John Taylor, and this is through an email, um, that basically the proposed wharfage fee is 14 times higher than what any other business is being charged for using the port facilities. So the highest anyone is paying for incoming cargo is $35.30 a ton. So... There was supposed to be a meeting, uh, I believe, let's see, it was tomorrow, when was the article written? The article was written, okay, so so on June 22nd, they were supposed to have a meeting to actually discuss this uh, and to address the proposed tariff changes. And really, it, it comes down to, why Why would you do this? Why SpaceX, if... if if you make it more expensive for SpaceX to not do business to do business with you, then they I guarantee you they will find a way around it and you're going to lose business. You know, it, it's it just seems like a very, very silly way to negotiate something that's brand new. You know, I understand that yes, it is a good idea to look at it from a future perspective. There will be more rockets like this going on. Now that it's been done, it's been shown that it's going to work, every company after this is going to make an attempt to land rockets. And if it becomes the norm, then yeah, the poor is going to deal with a whole bunch more just cargo than they'd have to before. But negotiate this with the first person doing this. Do not just throw a flat fee up there and think that that's just going to be how it's going to be like, oh, well, that's how it is now. You know, it's not good to not negotiate with SpaceX or they will go right around you and then you're not making any business. So a very strange uh, thing in the path 
towards making space flight available to everybody. You know, it's, it cannot be $500 a ton or else this reusable rocket phenomenon that's going on is, is either going to stop or it's going to move in a completely different direction and the ports will probably no longer be used. So let's not, let's not get crazy with this and find a solution that works for everybody. Figure out what the actual costs and damages that are being done to the port, which is reasonable and make that the charge. But I can't see it going from $35 and 30 cents a ton to 500. If they're using their own crane, you know, their own barge, it just doesn't make any sense. So we'll be looking into it more in the future, but just wanted to throw that out there to you guys. Uh, very strange news coming out of the port of uh, Canaveral. I would also like to give my respects this week to uh, Anton Yelkin, who passed away this past week. Uh, shockingly, just out of the blue. And, and Anton Yelkin, for those who uh, are unaware, is the actor in the new Star Trek uh, who plays uh, Chekhov. And, you know, I first found out about him in a movie called uh, Charlie Bartlett, uh, where he was the main character who, I was a young kid just trying to find his place in high school, like most kids, uh, find out who they are, and then uh, he was just getting in trouble at all these private places, ended up going to public school. And then, I'm not going to give the story away, but it was a really cool movie. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is the principal in the movie, and... uh, he was a really talented actor and, and, and to join the 27 club on is, is just a shame, you know? Uh, and, and, and the, what had happened to him was a very strange thing too, because all the reports that are coming out are saying that, you know, he had gotten out of his car in his own driveway in studio city. And, you know, granted it was at one ten AM, Pacific time. So that's pretty late. Um, and the car slid backwards and pinned him against a brick pillar and a security fence, which then caused trauma and then his death eventually. And it's, it's a very strange thing. You know, I mean, uh, I was asking around like, how does this, how how does this happen? How, how, How do you get pinned on your car? You'd have to get out of your car and go behind it. You know, I mean, there's always a chance maybe you you just started texting, you know, and you forgot. And if, if you're driving a manual, you know, and I don't know if he was, but you're driving a manual and you forget to put the parking brake on. Yeah, that that could happen. Um, but just a just a strange, strange incident. And, and my heart goes out to his family and to him. I mean, he was super talented. and I was really excited to see what he was going to do, but. This is this is what happens sometimes. So, um, Godspeed to Anton Yelkin and uh, as he travels through the universe. You know now he's back. He's back a part of it. Um, Godspeed, man. And uh, please, please be careful out there, folks. Uh, just keep your wits about you. All right. Okay, now to pick up the pace of the show because we did we did dip a little depressive there for a second let's pick it back up all right let's pick it back up 
uh, with a shout out to Roger Heaps. Uh, how you doing, man? How's New Zealand? How you doing? Um, and uh, we we were talking online the other day about uh, Planet X or Planet Nine, however you really want to uh, want to call it. They're they're essentially the same thing, but it it hit the internet uh, just everywhere. You know, it, it, it's it's now joined the pseudoscience ring of repeating stories that you'll see every year. Uh, and you'll forget them every year unless you're on them 24-7 like I am. So let's talk about Planet X right now and, and kind of what's going on with it. So Planet X, uh, for those who don't remember, if you need a quick reminder, Planet X is simply a solution to a problem that we have no answer for. And where this all started was there was research being done uh, in the Kuiper Belt uh, and there's this strange situation that's happening from from what we're observing that there's the gravitational movement that really the only way that could explain it for the Kuiper Belt is that there is some strange orbiting mass out there in the Kuiper Belt, uh, way past Neptune, that's about ten times more massive than Earth. And that would explain what's causing all these things that are moving in orbit to move the way they do. Because the way we understand it now, it shouldn't be moving like that. Right? So they proposed a planet X, or the ninth planet, since Pluto is no longer a planet. Uh, this planet nine is somewhere out there, and that's what's causing it. You know, it's it's all it's it's the same kind of situation as the great attractor that we've talked about before, which is this point in the universe where everything seems to be moving towards and the speed it's move that everything is moving towards it. The only way to explain it is this massive, more massive than really we could really ever consider. Um, well, that's not true. We consider a lot <laughs> as far as uh, normal people. It's it's more massive than what normal people <laughs> can consider uh, massive. And we're talking a cluster of galaxies. That's, that's how enormous we're talking about. Um, so the only way to explain it is that there is this large mass that we're all moving towards. So it's either something that is like the reality we already know, or it's something that we don't understand. And we have a similar situation going on right now in our own solar system. So the easiest way to describe it would be a planet that we've just never seen before, which makes a lot of sense because if it's traveling this strange orbit, we wouldn't be following it because we wouldn't think that it was a planet because we would assume it would be in a similar orbit. Um, Also, the orbit of it, if it's past Neptune, is so massive that we haven't been looking at the skies long enough to really notice if it is a planet, uh, and if its orbit's going into the Kuiper Belt, then it's the same problem we had with Pluto, in which it's so far away that we can't even see it uh, with traditional means. So it would take a mission going out there. Um, but the problem is, if we don't know where it is, then just sending something out to where we think it might be won't work. You know, uh, we just wouldn't have. We could miss it by thousands of years. So going back to my original point <laughs> is 
that this Planet X thing is coming into a lot of internet folklore and crazy uh, non-scientific, half-scientific stories. Uh, one of the ones I've heard is that there's this uh, basically, you know, alien planet that, you know, every time it comes around, uh, we seem to have this giant, you know, uh, civilization killer uh uh, event that seems to happen or that there's actually aliens that live on there and that's where they hide and observe us. And of course, having NASA put the stamp behind research saying that there's a possible planet nine gives every conspiracy theory out there that has to do with, you know, outer space, some legs to move on. So if you do hear this, it's and you hear anything about there being definite proof about the Planet Nine and the Planet X and how it's doing this and doing that, know that NASA has said none of this. Even if they try and say they have, please, the link for what NASA is actually saying is up on this week's episode. Go check it out. All it is is a theory at the moment. It has some good backing behind it, but... It is just a theory of that. So don't let pseudoscience get in the way of, <laughs> of your normal thoughts. Don't, don't stress over it. Nobody knows right now. <laughs> so shout out to Roger Heaps for bringing that uh, to my attention. Uh, I, I, I knew it was hitting the internet a lot, but for it to reach New Zealand, uh, now, now we know that it's, it's the pseudoscience is trying to infect everybody, all right? So just, just stay positive, stay logical out there, people, all right? We will not let the insanity of ignorance take us down. Never! Okay, and now that we're all settled into our normal madness, uh, let's go into uh, a thought I had this week and uh, see if you guys, uh, see what you guys think. You know, one of the things that we're slowly looking into right now, well, I should say the billionaires are slowly looking into right now, is the idea of accessing infinite resources in space. Because as we're all very well aware, there's definitely a downside to living on a planet with a species that is growing at a really incredible rate. And it's the fact of the resources, you know, resources in certain areas on the planet deplete. And we see it throughout history that resources are a common source of uh, war and strife and, and all these other things. And the reason being is because they are finite on the planet. And so the, con- the concept, the, the goal of accessing these infinite resources is very, very appealing, especially to those with money already. And, you know, I've seen seen articles online that talk about how, you know, this is where the billionaires now want to join uh, the likes of trillionaires, you know, because by being able to go into space and gain those resources, metals, uh, metals are really the, the, the biggest thing that we can mine uh, resource-wise. I mean, metals in our, just, just in our few asteroid belts are 
bigger than there are more than we could ever really use you know by the time we would even use up those metals we would be on to something else you know so the idea for this week is which one do you think is going to win do you think infinite resources are going to outweigh human greed or do you feel that human greed will just adapt and doesn't matter how many resources there are it will constantly be fed you know but i, I put a lot of thought into it this week and well, as, as much as you can put into a week and i don't think human greed is infinite i think there's a i think there's a cap i really do i think there's a limit to just how much a human being can have you know, I really, really do. You know, to to throw it back to a sci-fi concept, think about it in the, you know, the Star Wars aspect. You know, the Emperor created the Empire, right? And essentially was, had his power stretched over the galaxy, right? And it seems like for him, it was insurmountable. Like, the amount of power he could have was insurmountable. But he was also spread really thin. I mean, that's really the reason why the Rebellion could even get in there and defeat him in the first place is because he had grown so much that he was spread thin. But this is also a fantastical person. This is not a real person. So I think in real life... I, I really don't think that human greed will be able to consume the resources we have in just our own solar system, never mind our own galaxy, and end to that point. Mainly because we, as human beings, wouldn't have enough time to do something like that. To mine all the resources and, and things like that. Now, if if you really think that we will get to the point where we will be able to live forever i really don't think that's going to happen either um, but that's a totally different thought <laughs> that's for another week folks um but yeah I, I, if you disagree with me please i would actually like to hear your point of view um get, get in touch with me uh either you know today in space podcast at gmail.com or on twitter or facebook um yeah i i i really do think that the infinite resources of the universe will outweigh the scale of human greed. I think by introducing the idea of infinite resources, the argument for strife and war and conflict over those resources will be gone and we'll be able to move to a different point where it won't be about that. We'll definitely find a way to destroy things. We'll definitely find a way to get in each other's faces. But that's a big one. That is a big one. And I think it's one of the things that we'll find moving into space and and becoming a spacefaring people. That we we might actually go towards the Gene Roddenberry Star Trek ideal. That, you know, we've moved past worrying about 
you know, personal items or this and that, but it, it then becomes about personal improvement and individual improvement and making yourself the best person that you can be. So that's right. Human greed has no fucking chance against the infinitesimal resources of the universe. All right. Let's finish up the show, and I'll talk to you guys a little bit more about what's been going on with me the last month, month and a half, or sh- or so, and why it's been so goddamn busy. Number one is uh, I've been just more responsibilities at work. Uh, had to s- stay longer and then get more done, which has been good. It's been challenging, but it's been good. But it takes time away from this, so that's part of it. But that's really not a big part of it. The big part of it is that I've been really, really getting into my 3D printing. And I've been really trying to take it to the next step. And I'll I'll explain a little bit more about that in a minute here. But what happened at probably about halfway through May uh, was kind of devastating. Okay, The rigid bot died on me. So my 3D printer was out of commission and I was really on a roll. I was really, I was so close to figuring out how to get that machine to be a professional level where I can count on it to print regularly and then just have to tweak it down so I can get the best prints, best parts out of my printer every time. Uh, what broke was a thermistor, a thermistor for those who don't know, uh, it tells the machine, the printer essentially, what the temperature is of the nozzle because it has to get very hot. Uh, to give you a scale, it's about, you know, 200 degrees Celsius, which if you just double that, which is close, it's 400 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's very hot and it needs that to run. Um, so... That broke, and the reason that that's a problem is because I went with an open source printer, which, for anyone that doesn't know, means that there is no company behind it. There's no customer service to call. There's no, you know, repairman to call to fix your printer. You're on your own, which is why I bought it in the first place. And it it, it was an amazing, amazing tool to educate myself and to learn how, what a 3D printer is, how a 3D printer works, how it's built, how uh, to work it and tweak it and, and figure out how to get the plastic to actually stick to the bed so you can actually print. You know, all those things I've learned since I started using that printer. But the thing that broke, unfortunately, is a lot more difficult to repair. Uh, now, the good thing is that the repair is you know, about $5 or so on eBay. So that's not a big problem, but it's also not finished, which means I need to then work on it and make it. I've never done it before, so I could go through at least two of those if I break it, because it was our, the reason this one broke is because it's very sensitive. So if I'm just trying to put together a thermistor I've never done before, it's safe to say you're going to break one of them. So that's 10 bucks right there. But it goes back to the same issue I've had before where I don't have enough time to keep working on a printer and fixing it and tweaking it 
now that I have a job, you know, now that I have a, I, I, I'm in a career, you know, especially with responsibilities. So it was a great tool to have when I was still in college and I had the time. And if you are in college or earlier, younger, do this kind of stuff now. Do this fun, experimental learning stuff. If, you, if, if you're an engineer, get a 3D printer now and start working on it. I would highly recommend an open source printer because then you can really learn about it. But my situation is my time is, is becoming more and more valuable because it's becoming a little more limited. <laughs> so I have to focus a lot more. But this is, this is not anyone's fault or anything. This is something that I want to do. I want to become more responsible with my time. I want, you know, we've talked about this before. That's one of the things I've never really been good at. And it's one of the things I'm working on, which is time management. And, and, and not to use that term and make it sound corny, but it's true. You need to learn how to manage your time if you're going to do big things, if you're going to do a lot of things. If you, if you really want to make a difference with things, you're going to need to manage your time or else it's going to crumble around you. And so I've had a little bit of crumbling this last month because I, I've, I've taken on a lot with both my career, with my just life in general, all, all, all the things that I need to be, you know, between family and, and, and all those things. That, that requires time. Uh, then I've got the show. That also requires time. It's, I've, I spend less time on the show now because I've gotten better at it. But it still takes up time. And the 3D printing was something that I was shooting for to do for myself and, and, and to have as a skill to bring to other people. Essentially, get paid to 3D print. You know, 3D print for people. Because I've invested the time into how to do it. And I know how to 3D print. So I came to this impasse where when the 3D printer went down, I realized, okay. Oh, actually, before I get into this, uh, the other problem is that it might just be a $10 fix. But it also might be the worst case scenario. And that error, that same error, also happens when the motherboard of the printer dies. Again, another downside of the open source printer, uh, especially the one that I bought because the original parts were done in China uh, and not all of them were done well. So there's the chance that the whole motherboard is dead, which means getting another one is going to be close to impossible. I could buy a what they call a dumpster dive board, which is a board that a component or two doesn't work. So, but the rest of it is fine. It's never been used. So if you can figure out how to fix it, you're good. But again, with not enough time, that's not an option for me. So I was at this point where I had to decide, okay, the rigid bot is not dead but it is a project that's going to take a long time. And I wanted to start 3D printing, be, a, be an engineer, do an engineering service for people, which is 3D printing. 
And I was making my way to do that this summer. I actually got a few people who were willing to give me some work. And then this happened. So I was pulling my hair out because I was like, oh my God, my my printer, which wasn't even ready yet, is now down and out for a solid month because that's how long it would take me to get to it. And even if I fix it, it's still not ready to do work on. So I had to make a decision to invest in myself. I had to make a decision to say, I believe in myself. I I, I know what I'm doing and I need to take the next step and dive head first and actually do this. Go for it. The shit I talk about with you guys every week, go out there and kick some ass and make it happen. And sometimes that's what you need is, is that little kick in the nuts and just be like, shit, now I got to go head first. And, and that's, that's what I did. I went head first at the middle end of May and I bought a professional grade company backed printer. Uh, it's called the XYZ Printing DaVinci Pro 3-in-1. Now, this, this is what's really fucking cool about it, right? It can print the same quality, if not a little bit better, as the RigidBot printer. So that, that was what I was looking for. It was something that print with the same quality. But it doesn't just have that. It also has a laser scanner in there where you can put a small part, because it's not too big, but you can put a part in there on a rotating table, and these lasers literally scan the part, and then you can make a model directly from that part. So now you could replicate that part in an instance, basically. You could, you could take something in real life, scan it, make a model of it, and then print it out on your 3D printer. That's, like, crazy. It's, it's awesome. And uh, the other cool thing about that is, you know, let's say you've got something that's broken or, or, or you've got a set of pieces and one of them broke and, or they're really old, no one makes them anymore, you know. I can help you rebuild that part. We can just scan it, you know, and there you go. We, we, can, we can then 3D print copies of it again. So that's a really cool aspect of it. Um, now, there are some limitations to it. You know, if, if there's any reflectivity, like if it's a shiny metal, uh, it's going to have a really hard time making that model precise because the laser is bouncing off. It's not, it's not bouncing back to the laser source so it knows where it is. It thinks it's somewhere else because it's, the laser is reflecting off that shiny surface. So... Uh, you know, a way to counteract that is to do, you know, there's a lot of rubber coatings out there. I've actually seen, uh, a water soluble coating out there. Uh, and that's basically all you're doing. And then that way the laser can pick up the part at its most accurate. So that's pretty crazy. But the third thing, cause there are three things with this printer is it's going to have a laser engraver on it too. So you'll be able to laser engrave wood and pretty much, I think most other things, Um, but just having a fucking laser is craziness. So that's what I did. I I purchased that that printer and I've been working on it and I cannot wait to tell you guys all the stuff I've been working on it. It, it, 
it's been so incredible having a, a professional printer that you don't have to worry about breaking down or uh, something not working or things being really sensitive, you know. I have a reliable piece of machinery now. And that's this is the big news that I've been waiting for is that I am starting a 3D printing service that if you want to make your ideas a reality, if you have a business proposal, if you have a school project, if you have a project of your own you want to work on, if you have a gift that you want to make somebody that blows everybody out of the water, help me, let me help you get into the 21st century. And we'll talk about more next week on that. We'll go head first into that 3D printing stuff next week. Okay? And we'll leave it there. But think about it. 3D printing, the future, we're doing it here. All right, people? And this is, this is going to be way, way bigger because this is a part of Today in Space. The two will work together in our audacious goal of getting to space. We now have a manufacturing center at Today in Space. But we can make those dreams a fucking reality. So, hold on, folks. It's going to be a crazy fucking year moving forward here. Now that we can make things. Oh, I'm so excited. All right, guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. Uh, and we'll be back next week for a mega episode of Today in Space. Thank you for listening. Great fucking week. Spread love. Spread science. Love you guys. Have a great week.